Big Tech's ordinance has everything from complete firearms to OEM and aftermarket parts. If you're looking to put together your first AR-15, they have everything from those parts that you need to the tools that are going to be essential. If you're looking for suppressors, night vision, handheld lights, weapon lights, sights or optics, you name it, Big Tech's has it all. Not only that, they're offering all those brands that we like. Go visit them at BigTechsOrdinance.com. Filster makes awesome holsters, but not only that, they also happen to be one of those companies that are trendsetters. A lot of their designs are emulated by other companies. Not only does Filster make those holsters, but they also provide concealment systems like the Enigma, the Flex. They also have a lot of solutions when it comes to concealment solutions for medical. If you need to have a concealment first aid kit, they happen to sell them. Check them out at filsterholster.com. Join Primary Arms Government on September 10th for their third annual First Responder Range Day, hosted in Pasadena, Texas. This event connects law enforcement professionals with leading industry brands, all while enjoying local food and event activities. In addition to live fire demos, this year's event will feature axe throwing, archery challenges, t-shirt printing, product raffles, and more. If you're an active law enforcement professional or other first responder, RSVP today by visiting primaryarms.com government. Walther is the performance leader in the firearms industry, renowned throughout the world for its innovation since Carl Walther and his son Fritz created the first blowback semi-automatic pistol in 1908. Today, the innovative spirit builds off the invention of the concealed carry gun with the PPK series by creating the PPQ, PPS, and the Q5 match steel frame series. Military, police, and other government security groups in every country of the world have rely on the high-quality craftsmanship and rugged durability of Walther products. Walther continues its long tradition of technical expertise and innovation in the design and production of firearms. For more information, visit WalterArms.com. everyone, Matt Lanford here with Primary and Secondary. Welcome to Modcast. Today is September 21st, 2022. The episode number is 314. We're going to be discussing the hidden costs of deadly force. This is one of those topics that we haven't really talked about that much. We definitely have discussed aspects with Varg Freeborn on multiple occasions. We've spoken to others about similar concepts. Uh, uh, most of our discussion when it comes to this, it comes to or it covers all the aspects leading up to it. We don't discuss really the aftermath. We don't discuss um, legally what happens. We don't discuss fees involved with various services. Um, pretty much what we've discussed are things within our control right now. There are things that we can put in our... Um, it takes a little bit of planning. It takes knowing who, uh, what resources to use, but... Uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion. I, I'm looking forward to this, especially where this has been. This has been a hot topic. Uh, a, a lot of people have discussed aspects of this kind of of, of these uh, of these concepts. And there's also a lot of Facebook rumor, a lot of a lot of Dunning Kruger, a lot of people filling in the blanks on what they think should be the answer without actually knowing. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of uh, services available. Uh, carry insurance. We're going to talk about all this. I'm looking forward to it. My background's in law enforcement, been doing the cop thing since last century, still doing, uh, still going strong, um, been talking about retirement options. It's been interesting to, to, to see the end in sight and then think, I don't know if I want to go there yet. 
but yeah, talking, talking about various options has, has been very interesting, uh, really interesting discussions with the wife. I think she still thinks I should be a teacher. We'll see. I think I'm going to maintain primary and secondary though, because I, I like this more than, than anything else. Uh, having these kinds of discussions also, and, and I've, I've said this before, most of these modcasts that we do, I'm doing them selfishly. It's for my own knowledge. I don't care about you guys, the listener. Yeah, whatever. If you happen to pick up something good for you. Um, but, but truly the opportunity to share some of these insights, share some of this, this knowledge to everyone else is just absolutely invaluable. Um, people uh, bringing up very, so someone actually messaged me about church security uh, earlier in the week. And I thought, you know what, we haven't caught, we haven't talked about that. Maybe that should be an episode. Uh, so just to be a conduit to help people with their long-term plans, with these plans that potentially may affect their lives. Ultimately, it might save their lives. To me, it's very important. So I think with that, I'm going to hand it over to our special guest, Rob. There may be some panelists that may jump in sporadically. Um, this is also, for those of you listening after the fact, after it's been recorded, this was open to the public. So I published this on Facebook. I published it on Patreon. Um, the way I have this set up is... I have a, there's a Q and a section on zoom. And now this is going to the people that are listening right now. If you have questions throughout our discussion, please use that chats open as well, but the Q and a section is going to get a little bit more scrutiny and attention when it comes to these questions. That way we can get to your questions and hopefully provide the best answers possible. Um, this is normally a benefit to Patreon subscribers of network support. Uh, if you happen to be a network support uh, subscriber, you always have this opportunity. You always get to see these shows done live. You always get to ask questions when they're live. So to me, that's a, it's kind of a bonus. Not many people take advantage of it, but at least the question part, but they do take advantage of the live shows. So we are live right now. It's uh, yeah. For those of you listening live, if you do have questions, please use the Q and a section, Rob, take it away. <clears throat> Thanks, Matt. Um, I am so thankful for the invite. I'm, I'm glad that we're finally able to hook up. We've kind of been hit and miss for about half a year. So at least it, it, it's a, it's a big deal for us to get this word out. Um, I currently work for CCW safe. One of the, one of the uh, providers that you were, you were talking about. Um, and I started with them August 31st of 2020. Um, the day after I retired from the police department. <clears throat> Um, I did uh, about 26 years in law enforcement. I worked for the Oklahoma City Police Department. Um, I had the most incredibly charmed um, career. I, I got to do pretty much anything and everything I ever dreamed of doing. Uh, my first day in the academy, I had a, a Marine Corps training sergeant that was kind of our, our number one tack. And the vast majority of our academy was just petrified, scared to death of this guy. He'd just stop and just lock and, and just give that look. And I didn't realize it, but there were a few guys in the class that, that had family members that were already on the department. My, my younger brother was already on the department. And one of my best friends in the academy also had a brother that was already on. And his brother was like best friends and former partners with our training sergeant. And we're like halfway through the first day and he comes walking by the break room on one of the few breaks we got that day. 
And he just stops in the doorway and turns and just glares. And then went eyes front, carried on down the hall. And I didn't know that my buddy knew him. I mean, like knew him really well, like family. But he'd never seen this side of him. And he was absolutely locked up. And I just... I just started laughing and I said, man, before my career is over down here, I'm going to have his job. And he went, what do you do? And I was like, no, 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 not like that. I'm, I'm going to have that job. And he was like, why? And I was like, oh my gosh. I, before I was a cop, I was a high school wrestling coach. I had access to some of the, the best or high school wrestlers in, in the nation, um, in the Midwest city area in Oklahoma. Um, Midwest city high school, uh, was my last stop. And when I left, we had won, uh, 19 state tournaments in 23 years. I mean, like extreme powerhouse <clears throat> and it, 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 it's funny. Everybody talks about, you know, this guy was such a great coach or that guy was such a great coach. I don't care who coached those kids. You, all you had to do is have somebody sit on the end of the bench and point them, you know, go get those guys. Um, but I started in, uh, I'm, I was in the, the police academy and, and we're making our way through and, uh, April 19th, 1995, the Murrah bombing occurred and we were, oh, three and a half miles away from it. Uh, we, we were a good distance away from it and, and it rattled our building. Um, and it hadn't happened in decades, but we were actually activated from the academy. So our very first call for service was responded to the bombing, <clears throat> um, really big deal for us. And it absolutely like set my path for me because the community support was so incredible that I knew that, yeah, this is the place I'm going to work forever. <laughs> um, you know, we, we graduated the academy a few months later, and I went to patrol for a couple of years, and then I went to, uh, we our city is huge. It's like 626 square miles, so it's kind of divided into four different quadrants, different patrol districts. Each patrol district is, or division is, is manned by a, a division commander who's a major <clears throat> and uh, several captains, even more lieutenants. Um, and it, it's a really big city. Um, but each one of those divisions also has a specialized unit in it that is kind of the division commander's go get them team kind of thing. They can go, you know, if he's got a burglary problem that's you know, in a certain area and it's like hitting between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., he'll, he'll take these guys, put them special assignment. They just go saturate that area and, and beat it until it, until it's fixed. Um, but a lot of those issues were, were drug issues and things like that. So a lot of them kind of turned into like little mini narc units, but kind of at a street level. Um, and I was very fortunate. I got to get over and, and work in that. It's called an impact unit. And I did that for a year and I had really good guidance by my captain at the time. And he was like, 
you know, go over there and get some experience. But if you really want to be a, a narc, go to special projects and work, work real narcotics. Uh, it just so happened to be at a time, you know, in the, in the 90s where our, our unit had enough intel that we probably could have taken down a meth lab a day for six months without taking a day off. And anybody that's been in and, and you know, kicked doors on, on active meth labs knows that there's a ton of things that can go wrong and not very many things that can go right. And, you know, for the, the bang for the buck that we were getting, you know, those guys weren't going away forever. Um, you know, it, it, it might not be a bad idea to delve just slightly into the hazmat the booby traps, the overall danger, just so people understand the gravity of doing this. And also what kind of a danger it is to the, to the public and the the neighboring residential areas. It, It can, it can level a residential house and, and damage every, every home around it. I mean, they are incredibly explosive things. Um, you, know, you, you get into the different uh, phosphine, phosgene gases, the things that those things are, are cooking off and they're odorless. They're, you, you can't see them. You can't taste them. Um, you know, everybody signs up on this job, you know, kind of, kind of with the expectation, you know, everybody's kind of a little bit of a adrenaline junkie, they're excitement junkie. You, you enjoy what you're going after. Um, you want to help people, you want to do all the right things. And you know, in the back of your head that I've, I've signed up for a career that could cost me my life. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not on my game, I can do something that can get me really hurt or dead. Um, and that's one of those things that you realize because that was before people were going in with Tyvek suits and, and full on hazmat suits. Yeah. uh, yeah. And, and going yeah. in with CBAs, and you know, now uh, a lab team goes in, and those guys have got really, really, really specialized training, and, and we understand the hazards. You know, I've got friends of mine that got, you know, spots on their lungs, spots on their livers. Um, so it, you know, it's one thing to sign up for something that I know that I might be chasing a really bad guy and getting a gunfight or something like that, or even even just a car wreck or something. But it, it really was an eye opener to think that I could just be going through this house and come into contact with something I can't smell, can't see. But that that's the thing that starts killing me and kind of eating me from the inside. And, and that's going to be your demise. It's not the way I wanted to go. <laughs> and uh, so where I had thought I really wanted to be an arc, um, I found out that I really didn't. Uh, and I had a, a group of friends of mine that, that uh, were really, really aggressive, highly active guys working in gang enforcement. And uh, <clears throat> actually, the, the, one of the founders of CCWSA, Mike Darter, was in the gang unit. And he had a, a hunting injury. Um, and he lost an eye. And he wound up transferring uh, into criminal intelligence and left a, a vacancy in the, in the gang unit. And I came in, in, into Mike's spot and took that place. Um, 
great, great job. I mean, instead of being uh, a reactionary force that's coming in and, you know, stretching crime scene tape after the fact and, you know, doing the, the reports and archiving and, and all this, you know, the historical stuff that has to be done for, for a court uh, proceeding. Um, we actually were, were the aggressors. You know, we, we had about 5,700 confirmed gangsters in Oklahoma city, uh, a department of 1100. And we only had six guys on that unit. Um, but out of that six, uh, four of us were driving instructors. Three of us were defensive tactics instructors. Three of us were firearms instructors. We had a sniper, a rappel master and a bomb tech. Um, we didn't need anybody. So we served warrants for freaking every investigative unit. Um, we served warrants for uh, other agencies that would call, you know, you'd have mutual aid agreements and, and they'd need something done. We'd go help them. We did stuff for ATF, DEA, FBI. We did warrants for IRS. I mean, if, if somebody had a bad guy they wanted, we, we went and, and did that for them. Um, and I got to do that for almost five years. Uh, and during that time, the department started really investing some money and, and I got sent to training all over the country, um, mostly, uh, with defensive tactics. So if there's a school out there, I've probably been through it <clears throat> at, at least under the law enforcement umbrellas. Um, I found since that there's some really great schools out there as well that, that are in the civilian realm. Um, I've been a martial artist for, for decades. I, I was involved with the sport of wrestling for more than 50 years. Um, it, it was kind of my passion and I became the subject matter expert for the, for the police department on use of force. Um, you wouldn't think it because we're kind of, you know, middle of the country and you're right in the middle of the Bible belt. Um, a lot of really good folks around here, but uh, per capita, Oklahoma City has one of the highest rates of officer-involved shootings in the entire United States. It's not Chicago. It's not L.A. It's Oklahoma City. Um, we, we catch a lot of flack for that. Um, and part of that is our own fault because the other side of that coin is we have uh, the highest number of vest saves out of any agency in the country. It makes sense. We get a lot of cops shot, but we live and we, and we survive our gunfights. Um, we just don't put that out there an awful lot. And, and, you know, all of a sudden you just, everybody thinks you got a bunch of cowboys out there gunning people down and they're in gunfights trying to, trying to fight for their lives is what it is. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if our training is a little better than yours. Yeah, I mean, we just, we, we were on our game and you weren't. Um, we, you know, I, I did that for, for a good bit. I, I ran the police academy for almost 10 years. Um, when I got done with that, I wanted to go back to patrol and get an opportunity to work for my brother, work with my brother. So we worked uh, same shift, same set, same division, um, 
for about a year. And then I kind of got the itch again and I ran back to the gang unit, did that for a little while. Um, <clears throat> then I went inside and I was a sex crimes detective for about five years. And, and I did the last four in, in robbery and, and was a robbery detective. Um, so I, I got to go chase real life bad guys the whole time I was out there. Um, you know, we, we had enough, enough people in that agency that we got to do a lot of really cool things. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in, in the U S that would, would never understand that, uh, you know, the summer Olympic games used to be the largest sporting event in the world. Um, cause you're, encompassing all of these different sports, all of these athletes from all of these countries. And <clears throat> it's been surpassed by the world police and fire games. Um, so I was fortunate enough. I got to travel all over the world. Um, and there I got, you know, I got to do freestyle wrestling, Greco wrestling, judo. Um, I used to brag about that. Like I was some kind of tough guy, but you know, truth of the matter is I've had my ass kicked on multiple continents now. Um, but it, it's been a really, really good, good life, good career. You know, I came out of it remarkably healthy. Um, Don't hear that too often. Yeah. Yeah. I got to, I got to work with some great, great people. Um, uh, I became a, a subject matter expert uh, in use of force. Um, I've had the downside that, you know, one of the kids I trained was involved in a shooting, a really bad shooting. Um, and instead of just stepping up to the plate and going, yeah, I made a mistake, he, he fought it and he wound up going to, going to prison on a murder two charge. And he's guilty. I mean, he did it. Um, you know, so as you're training kids, you don't ever think that I'm also going to be the guy sitting, sitting in the witness box explaining to a jury why this was wrong. Um, you know, I've, I've worked, uh, the, the civilian side with families that have had family members that were killed in, uh, in custody inside the County jail, um, and, and were killed, uh, you know, it wasn't just a, a sick call and the guy died. It was, you know, you got nine detention officers on top of this guy and, you know, 30 minutes later, he's dead. Um, and then probably the, the, the worst case I ever worked was a really aggressive young officer who was also an uh, incredibly prolific uh, sexual predator, uh, the Daniel Holtzclaw case, and he's doing 268 years. He's completely exhausted his appeals. Um, only two of the victims that ever came forward. There were 14 total. We had to go out and find the other 12. Um, <clears throat> really sad case that... You know, he, he was really good at, at knowing kind of which, which girls to target. And he was, he was picking street girls, um, really sad, sad case. Um, but as soon as we had any inkling of what was going on, um, we went after him at, as harder, harder than you would go after anybody. You know, yeah, I would hope so. That, yeah. That that's actually, you know, tarnishing that badge and, and, and doing and, and, you know, whether, whether people realize it or not, you know, the guys that wear a badge know it, you know, when, uh, 
you know, when you had the Rodney King thing out in LA, I guarantee that that affected officers from one coast to the other, you know, north to south, east to west. Everybody had to hear about that. Everybody was affected by that. Um, it it those, still comes up on occasion. Absolutely, it does. And, and those things kind of play into, you know, the things that, that were, were popping up. And, you know, what, what was it when, uh, I don't know, maybe 2015, 2016, when, when was the stuff cracking off in Ferguson? Um, you know, all of that stuff is just a continuation and it just steamrolls and it gets bigger and bigger and worse and worse. And, you know, I've done so much research on all that stuff that there's so many things out there with uh, the things that actually cause death. And police officers are such a tiny, minute fraction, especially if you go into the numbers of calls for service that, that they respond to. And it, it's almost it, it's almost unbelievable how well they they handle things and de-escalate things, and and that's a word that's really become you know almost almost like a slap in the face with law enforcement, and and I would laugh at guys and go why why do you get pissed off because they're telling you to de-escalate? This is something you've been doing. Since the very the beginning, a car, you've always done it. They just put a, they just put a word with it. Now they put a label on it. You've de-escalated situations every day you rode in a car. Um, so, you know, that's, that's part of the deal, but um, on the, on the defense side of it, um, I had a, a local attorney, very, very well-respected guy. He's worked some really, really huge cases that got national attention. Um, he wasn't one of those scumbag guys that would get in there and just, you know, make a scene and, and, and throw crap at the wall and hope something sticks. He was really a good attorney. <clears throat> and he calls me one day and we, we'd gone head to head in the courtroom before, but we had great respect for each other. And he gets in touch and says, listen, Rob, I've, I've got this guy in the south part of Oklahoma that has been charged uh, with shooting with intent to kill. And I think they've made a mistake. I think it's a self-defense case. And he said, I, I know that you've done this for the police department, but have you ever thought about uh, taking a case in the civilian realm? And I hadn't. Um, you know, I, I had done some some outside the agency work, but it was always related to uh, things that officers were involved in. Um, so, so he said, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to bring my client in and I'd like to bring you in and just sit down and let's go over this thing. You know, tell me what you'll charge. I, I just want to see if it's something you could help with. And it was very clear. I mean, it was so simple that my goodness, this is absolutely a self-defense case and, and they're charging this man. And it took, I have a forever. question. I have a question for you regarding that. Yes. In your experience, after reviewing this case, where did you see the issue? Was it from overzealous officers or was it from prosecution? Prosecution. <clears throat> and it was, it was a little political as well. Um, the client was a physician um, and 
I mean, they've gone like six months with no charges or anything. And if that was me, I'd be thinking, cool, we're, we're good. Um, because I can tell you that if I was the investigator in this case, I'd know within a week, usually if I'm, if I'm filing charges or not. And if I'm filing charges, I'm not letting you sit out there in the public possibly to do this again. Um, but as a physician, he had a, he had a, a young man that had come into him and he actually presented symptoms of whatever. And he uh, prescribed him uh, an opiate based uh, prescription. And it was the last prescription the kid ever got. And he overdosed and, and passed away. And when the, the parents of this young man found out, oh my gosh, now he's shot a man. They went after the district attorney and said, this guy is a killer. And, and they lobbied really hard. And they said, you finally have a choice, a, a, an opportunity. You've got a chance to hold him accountable. And they did. Now, the sad thing is that local DA didn't even have the sack to, to step up and try the case himself. He brought in a special prosecutor from another county. And I was like, man, that's just cowardice. You know, if it's that big a deal, step up to the plate and, 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 and try the case yourself. Um, so I got brought in and uh, we had a, uh, a shooting reconstruction guy from, uh, I want to say Richardson, Texas, it was in that area, in the Dallas area. Uh, but he came up and he was absolutely phenomenal. And probably 14, 16 months after the shooting, I wanted to see the scene. And it's about a two hour drive south of Oklahoma City. I went down there with the attorney. And, you know, I know in my head how this thing looks just from my interview with, with the guy. Um, and I mean, he has never deviated. And at the same time, it wasn't a scripted, rehearsed response when I would ask him about the case. I could always get something out of it. Um, so I know kind of how everything was set up, but when I, I when we finally got to the to the house, it was like, now where where was your truck? Where were you parked? I was parked right here. Where were you standing? I was standing right here. Okay, where was uh, you know where where was the guy you shot? Well, he was right here. And all of a sudden, I start looking at this with the guy that's helping do the shooting reconstruction, and we see a bullet defect in the driveway. And there's nothing in any police report to indicate this. So we line this thing up and we start looking. We recovered the projectile. It was stuck in the, in the uh, trim work around the garage door. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm a cop. I don't want to be the guy to point a finger at you and go, listen, Matt, you screwed that guy because you're lazy and you didn't do your, do your job. That's not the case. You know, these guys did absolutely the best they could with what they had and did the best to their ability. Um, they just didn't have the same level of training that, that Manny had and he was our shooting reconstructionist and they didn't have a, a use of force expert or anything like that on, on their side. Um, so we present all that and then once we see that, it's like, 
and we need to look at the clothing. We need to look at, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we've got a little frag from a copper jacket that's stuck in the guy's shorts. And it was like, Oh my gosh, we still have evidence that hasn't even been processed. And, you know, we're having to, to get them to handle this stuff for us. Um, so at the, I, I believe we went to trial on this case in 2014, I think. Um, but it was, it was pretty quick. It, it, we were done inside of a week and it didn't take the jury an hour to acquit. You know, it was, it, it was seen as what it was. I mean, it was a self-defense case, uh, very clearly a self-defense case. And it was so cool because you know, like I said, the, the, the shooter was a physician and <clears throat> He didn't understand trauma memory. He didn't understand tachypsychia. He didn't understand the physiological things that were going to go on within him. And he's explaining it to me the very first time he ever told it to me. And he's a left-handed guy. And there's two attackers on him. And he gets, he's fighting the guy in front of him. And the, the next guy comes up behind him and like kicks him in the back of his knees, like a, like a grade school prank. Well, he falls to the ground and he's, and he's carrying a firearm because he knows this guy has, has made threats against him. That's well-documented. We brought all those people into court, but it's not in a holster. It's just tucked in his waistband. And when he hits the ground, the gun pops out, kind of skitters across the driveway. The guy in front of him starts coming after the gun. And the doc reaches out, picks it up, and just stabs it straight forward. And he's like, I am, I'm going to kill him. And then he realizes, damn it, my kids are in the, in the garage right there. And they're going to see this. And he changes and lowers his point of aim. And he tries to shoot him in the leg and hopes that that's going to be enough to make him stop. And it does. Um, but he doesn't hit him in the leg. He shoots him through the pelvic girdle. Anybody that understands all your wiring through there knows that can often be a fatal shot. I mean, you've got so much stuff going down through there. Um, it doesn't hit anything. He gets a clean entrance, a clean exit. Um, the guy is treated and released from the hospital in less than an hour. Just miraculous that the guy wasn't really tore up. Maybe even didn't even know he was hit. Yeah. In this case, he did. I mean, he, he, he basically just went down. And the coolest thing about this, I don't know that I could have done this, um, but he gets up, gets, takes his gun, puts it in his car, locks it. His daughter's standing in the garage, and he says, call 911, tell him your daddy's been attacked. I had to shoot a guy. We need a an ambulance and we need police. And then he goes straight to the man and drops his pants and starts being a doctor and treating this injury. Um, I, I'm still a fan of this guy. I mean, he, he just, he won me for life. He, he's a friend today. And as things progressed, you know, down the road, I, I finally asked him, I said, you know, it's, it's none of my business and you don't have to tell me if, if you don't want to. Um, but I'm really interested in, in what your defense costs you. 
and it was six hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. And oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so six hundred yes. grand. Yes. And he even wound up treating the guy. Yes. And he didn't kill him. Did not. I just wanted to emphasize that number. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you, it, it scared me to death because I knew if I was involved in a shooting on duty, I was, I was good. You know, as long as I was, I was acting in good faith and, and under the color of law, I was, I was good. We have a great FOP. We had great attorneys. Um, I knew all the guys in homicide. We had great investigators. That wasn't going to be a problem. Um, command was, was pretty solid behind us. Um, chaplain services. I mean, really, there was really nothing left that I was going to need. Um, but I also realized that I travel. Um, I had a lake house out of state, you know, and if I was out there with family and something, and if I put enough bad guys in prison that I really don't go anywhere without a firearm. Um, and in this day and age, I just, I just don't, um, I don't, I don't carry a firearm to enforce my will on, on anybody. I, I carry a firearm so nobody can enforce their will on me. Um, I'm in a different role now. My mission is completely different. I'm a civilian. Um, I'm not a first responder anymore. Um, but trust me, if, if, I'm somewhere and something starts kicking off and there's an active shooter or something. I, I can't take that off. I'm going to be involved outside of something extreme like that. I'm really probably the best witness you could ever hope to have. Um, I'm, I'm not going to step into that unless it's, unless somebody's life is in jeopardy. Um, so my big deal now is avoidance. Yeah. So I, I think that actually might, combine what you just said and then also you brought up uh one of your former uh wrestling one of the kids that you uh coached who uh who's serving time no, no, all... that, was, that wasn't a wrestler that was one of my that was one of, one of the kids out of my my academy that was oh oh okay um yeah. that wound up made it uh had a bad shoot yeah yeah okay so so the, the, the commonality with this is decision-making skills. Yeah, absolutely. Decision-making skills because of avoiding deadly force is a viable, good choice. Despite what social media may say, despite this, this big urge to, yeah, shoot them all and all this, or judged by whatever instead of carried by whatever. Oh. no. It's, it's a great little cliche to, to throw out there and say and, and, you know, pat yourself on the back and, and be Mr. Macho. But, um, you know, I, I mentioned early on, I, I've had my ass kicked on multiple continents. I'm not, I'm not any less proud of that than, than anything I was ever victorious at. Um, it kind of built me into who I am. <clears throat> But I can also tell you, I don't heal like I used to. Um, and I have never lost a fight that I was able to avoid. Ever. Well, well I, I think a, a huge part of this, though, is considering, okay, you have a considerate background or considerable background. You've 
been through a lot of stuff, but your choice of action, if it were up to you, it's avoidance. Um, yeah. What a, what a concept. And this is, this isn't, this is a, a normal concept for us to discuss that this is, this is not outside the realm, but it's reinforcing. This is something we need to be paying attention to. This is something we need to have these decisions already set in our mind to help our response to go a little quicker, maybe being a, a, a good witness that that might be the best choice as opposed to interacting when it's, yes. do you really need to act? Do you need to employ deadly force? Do you need to present a firearm? Well, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to kick the hornet's nest because I understand. Oh, I am. I'm all about that. <laughs> I understand pressure testing our skills. You know, it's, it's the whole reason that when, when you take a rookie class out to the gun range, um, we don't just sit there and shoot 800 rounds a day. I'm going to have you load up three magazines with two rounds each. And I'm, and I'm forcing all of these behaviors. So I have to clear leather over and over and over again. I just make that, we do that so many times that it, it's not even a conscious thought. It's an autonomic reaction when I need it. Um, and then I go bang, bang. Oh crap. I got locked back. Boom. Get in my workspace punch it back out and re-engage. We're doing that over and over and over and over. And you're just building those things in to where you never even think about doing that when the time comes. It, you just respond to training. Um, but these guys now, and I understand, again, it's part of my pressure test. Um, but I've got friends of mine um, that are so good at recoil management they're so fast on a trigger. Dude, they can, they can unload a full magazine at 7, 10, 15 yards and still have a group like that. I mean, just, they can just drill a hole. And that's super cool. And they can do it so fast that it looks like you have a waterfall of brass coming out the side of the ejection board. Absolutely. It's impressive, dude. It's impressive. How's their, how's their decision-making skills, though? There you go, because I'm responsible for every single round I fire, and I can't, I can't work a trigger that fast and reassess the threat that's in front of me over and over and over again. That's something I need to be cognizant of when, when it's something that might go in front of a jury. Um, that is such a big freaking deal. Um, you know, we get guys all the time that, that – our members with CCW safe and they're writing in, they're going, what about this? Well, we don't, we don't get off in the weeds on hypotheticals because I can hypothetical you to death. Um, and I can't really give you the answer without knowing all of the pieces. Um, but I need guys to understand because I'll have a guy call in and he goes, listen, I'm 78 years old. I'm barely mobile. I've had a hip replaced. I've had this. I got a bad back. I got this. I got that. Those things are going to be weighed when, when it comes down to it. You know, you got a 28-year-old kid that's, that's done time in the penitentiary and he comes out all swelled up. And, and yes, that is part of the equation. There's so many factors that go in to determining the reasonableness of a use of force. And that's why everybody goes, well, what, what is reasonableness? It's everything. And everything has to be factored in. And if I don't factor everything in, 
I can't tell you if you're if you're reasonable or not. Absolutely. It, it's just so many things. And it's, it's why the cost of these things, of defending these things, have gone so incredibly expensive. Um, Actually, before let, let me uh, interrupt you just for a second, just so people understand, no one here is saying shooting fast is bad. No, Not at all. No. no. Shooting fast is awesome. As a matter of fact, shooting fast to gate go faster and faster, you know, that's awesome. As long as if you're using it for real, you're using it being done reasonably that you're constantly assessing. Um, but you know what? Is it a is it a mark of skill? Absolutely. Is it something to strive for? Absolutely. Can it positively affect your the outcomes with a deadly force encounter? Absolutely. No one's saying no, don't shoot fast. I like the pressure test that, that a lot of guys are, are trying to go from concealment to draw one round on target in a second or less. Dude, that's that's rocking fast. I'm in my seventh decade. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not ever going to happen for me. It's not going to. But as long as I can keep it under a second and a half, I think I'm in the fight, dude. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable in my skill set. I'm not really overly concerned about not being able to get sub one second. Um, and again, those time constraints in a practice session are those pressures that, that make that, that coal become a diamond, you know, it's what makes me good. Um, but on, on the real world side of that, if I have to have a sub one second draw and on target, my observation and perception skills suck. If I'm in that position, that I got to have that that quicker response, it's probably best to not let anybody know I got a firearm until I can kind of get into position to make a good presentation and a good shot. Um, you know that you know paying attention to your surroundings is 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 way better than than fighting out of a fight that you didn't see coming. Uh, and dude, I've been, I've been clocked. I, 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 I'm not proud. I've, I've been beat. I've, I've been all over the place. Yeah. Um, fortunately in, in law enforcement, I, I never lost a fight in law enforcement. Now I had several partners that were responding and thought they were helping. And I've had my ass kicked by the police. Um, and I, I can tell you, I never punched another cop in the middle of a fight. Um, whole nother, whole nother podcast right there. Um, well, we, we talked a little bit of these hidden costs. So for me, one of the things that I've been discussing a lot, and these are more of the overt costs, it's not just financial, but it's also time for us to totally. become skilled for us to even, even to develop our decision-making process. It takes time and it takes practice. These are things that uh, we can almost kind of, we, I don't know if we can necessarily predict, but these are things that we can at least plan, we can plan out a, a, a lesson plan or a, or a, or a plan of attack. Yeah. Being in a deadly force encounter, though, that's not, there are too many variables. We can't predict what's going to happen. What we can do, though, is maybe intercept some of the issues before it happens. Um, yeah. One of the, for me, one of the interesting things was talking to all these different insurance providers. And is it safe to just call it insurance or is there a better term for it? Well, we, we are absolutely not an insurance. Yeah. Um, and we do that very purposefully 
um, because it keeps us from being directed and controlled by insurance commissions. Oh, because that's good. Anybody, anybody that understands how an insurance works knows that there is absolutely a bias to deny. I want to, I want to cut my losses as minimal as I possibly can. And the other thing that, that happens with insurance is so, okay, Matt, you've been involved in a, in a little fender bender uh, and we'll get you all fixed up. It's not that big a deal. And by the way, uh, for the next two years, your rates are going to be this. Yep. Um, it, it's funny. Um, everybody else says they have some type of, of emergency response. What that means is they have somebody that's going to answer the phone. Um, it's really cool to me because we've, we actually had a member involved in an incident uh, Thanksgiving Day 2018. Um, not the day you want to pick to be involved in an incident. <clears throat> and he, uh, I don't know if it was something that he was just extra paranoid. I don't, I don't know, but, but he really overdid it. He over, he, he had three different uh, coverage groups. And the first one that he called, uh, he gets a message that says it's the holiday and call on Monday. And the second one gives him the number to an attorney and he calls the attorney and the attorney is out of the country on vacation for the holidays. And he calls us and we had a representative by his side the next day, less than 24 hours. Um, that's, that's a big deal right there. Um, and that's, that's part of, you know, instead of saying, you know, we have this, this emergency response for you, which means somebody answering the phone, ours is preset and it's pretty cool the way that it works because the notifications start immediately. Um, you call in and say, uh, I'm a member. Uh, I've been involved in an incident and they're going to stop you because it's like a 911 call. It's not privileged communication. You don't want some person in a call center being subpoenaed to come and testify and go, because it's, it's kind of like an untrained uh, 911 operator. Um, it's still emotional for them. You know, all of a sudden you've been involved some, in something, all of a sudden you start spilling your guts about and, oh, my God, I didn't, you know, this happened, that happened. All of a sudden, I shot him. I think he's dead. Um, so our, our call takers will, will stop you and let you know that I need to inform you that this is not a privileged communication. Um, I need to know your name, and they'll have you spell it. The best phone number to get back at you in case we get disconnected, your current location, have you been involved in, uh, have you been arrested, involved in a shooting or displayed your firearm? And if you, if you answer yes, that is an emergency call for us. And they'll say, stand by, I'm gonna connect you with Don West. Don West, the Don West. And usually it's, well, they don't even disconnect from you. They put you on hold, they call Don, 
And He's sitting right that. next to me. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah, we were going to, they called on. And at the time that they're doing this, um, our critical response team is, is getting a text and we're all being alerted at the same time. And so now all of a sudden I, I look at this and I go, oh, I got Matt Lanfair and this is where he's at, blah, blah, blah. He's been involved in a shooting. Uh, where's he at right now? Uh, in the back of the police car. Um, so the first thing that Gary and I start, to, and it, it goes through our president, all three of our owners, uh, and Gary Easters, who is our critical response team manager, and myself. And we, we immediately get notified. And... <clears throat> The first thing I do is go to the recording on the call that you made to our call taker, because I want to see if there's anything that that we need to, to make sure Don is aware of, because sometimes that doesn't get transferred over to him. And Gary starts looking and making sure, well, Matt, yep, Matt's a, a member. He's in good standing. He's been a member for, for six years. Um, he, he's not, you know, his renewal date's not until, you know, February 15th. Um, so now we know everything is in place and if Don goes, uh, we need a critical response on this, we immediately start looking for flights because we're coming to you. Nobody else does that. Um, and then you go into the, the value of that response. Um, Gary retired from the Oklahoma city police department, um, as a homicide investigator, um, he took uh, a, a private contract with the UN and went over and was uh, investigating war crimes in uh, Kosovo and was training law enforcement guys from all over the world to investigate these homicides. Um, I've been an investigator for a long time. I'm a use force expert. These are the guys that are coming by your side and even though I'm not investigating your crime um, and it's being investigated as a crime, if, if you, even in self-defense, if you shoot somebody and injure them or you shoot somebody and they die, um, it, it is investigated as a criminal act, period, until we prove that it's not. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one of, one of our owners, Mike Darter, has been involved in a, in a fatal shooting, um, Gary was involved in a fatal shooting. Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be shot at multiple times, um, but knowing other things about that, um, you know, Gary's brother was involved in a shooting. So Gary also understands that side of it. I've got a family member that's been involved. My brother's been involved in a shooting. I I'm just... an I just got to say, I don't know many people that are going to say they're fortunate they were just shot at. That by itself. I'm not hit. <laughs> I'm not hit. Yeah, that's a pretty good feeling. Um, you know, my brother's been involved in a shooting. I had an ex-wife that was involved in a shooting. I mean, we have those personal experiences. I know what it's like to sit where you're sitting, and I know what you're feeling. Um, it may be different to a degree, but trust me, I've been there. Um, so yeah, after, after the Kosovo deal, Gary came back and was contacted by the district attorney in, in Oklahoma County. And, and, uh, he hired Gary to come on and be his chief investigator for a little over 10 years. Um, you know, I mentioned that 
uh, one of our founders, Mike Darter, had been involved in an on-duty shooting. Uh, Gary was actually the, the homicide investigator that took Mike's statement. So, I mean, we've got such a tight community and, and you know, it's not just a, a place to work, it's, it's family for us. Um, and we, we extend that to, to all our folks. You, I don't care where you go, you can't find that, you can't buy that. Um, it's, it's not possible, nobody else has that network. Out of curiosity, would you say it's appropriate to use you guys as a cop just in case, hey, I was involved in a shooting. This is what's occurred. We, we do not cover on-duty incidents um, for that simple fact um, because you've got PBAs and FOPs and those kind of things. Um, now, we cover thousands of cops, um, but it's, it's covered for off-duty stuff. Yeah, sure is. And, and that's what I did. I mean, I joined him back when I when I found out what what the doc paid on on his defense in that case in Oklahoma. I mean, I, I called the next day and I was like, "Listen, guys, I don't I don't even know how much it costs, but but hook me up. I gotta I gotta join." And so I was a member for years before I was ever an employee. Um, but during the time that that I was a member, I absolutely fully bought into it, and I know what they're doing. I know what they're about. Um, it's just that big a deal. Um, and, it, you know, as the world progresses and turns and, and things get better and things get worse, um, it, it's to the point, you know, Gary and I just finished uh, maybe a month ago um, a, a training for new critical response team guys. But again, you're talking about guys that have got decades of experience and they're homicide investigators and they've got all this stuff. Um so as we respond to a scene, um, <clears throat> until you're with an attorney, and this is really important for a lot of people to understand, um, unless you have something in place that you have somebody as a consulting expert for an attorney, really no other, no other communications are privileged unless your attorney is there. And that's something that people need to, need to be cognizant of. Um, you know, Gary and I taught at uh, a conference this weekend and it was, it, it's basically an aftermath of a shooting course that we do. Um, and, and people get so, and I promise you've heard this, you've, you've seen guys, especially guys that aren't involved in, in law enforcement or don't really have a lot of familiarity with it. They just know what they think they know, you know, and you never know uh, until you know it, I, I know that's like spinning up words there, but, um, it's true. It, it really is. Uh, so you go, well, okay, so let's just, let's just role play this. You've been involved in a shooting law enforcement comes up and goes, Hey, what happened? I'm not saying anything till my, till my attorney's here. Well, I can tell you as an investigator, I'm having an officer put you in a handcuffs and I haven't loaded you up in a car. So let me know when your attorney gets here. Um, and if that's three days, that's fine. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with, if, if it's me, I'm okay with sitting a day or two in the county jail, as opposed to saying the wrong thing and spending the next 15 years in, in the penitentiary. Um, but there, there really is a way to deal with this. Um, you know, I was talking about the doctor and how he did his, and he had his daughter call. And he's treating 
And as law enforcement responds, um, you know, for, for those that don't know, because you're like, you know, who gets there first, who does what? Well, I can tell you right now, medical doesn't go in until police have secured the scene, period. We're the canaries. Don't yeah, don't care. So um, law enforcement gets there and Doc tells him, um, he attacked me. He's got a friend with him. He ran off. Um, this happened. I had to shoot him. Um, hurry up, check on that ambulance. Uh, I secured my firearm in my vehicle. Let me know when you need it, and I'll unlock it for you. Dude, that's, that's like perfect. And nobody's trained this guy. I say nobody's trained this guy. He's got a brother that's a cop in Kansas, and he's got another brother that is way up the food chain for the ATF. So he comes from a law enforcement family. He's the physician in the group. Um, but for me, I, I can tell you if it happened right, you know, if it happened today and all of a sudden uh, somebody tries a home invasion on my house, it, it sucks to be them. It's going to be a bad day. Um, and, I'm, and I'm calling 911 and I'm saying, this is who I am. This is where I live. Somebody just broke in. Uh, I was in fear for my life. I had to defend myself. He's been shot. I need uh, medical personnel and an ambulance and police, please hurry. And then I disconnect because they're going to, they want more information. They want more details. I can also say as an investigator, the very first thing I do when I, when I get back to the office is I pull the 911 tapes and I make sure that what you told the responding officers is what you told the, the disperse. Yeah. The, the uh, dispatcher. I want to know what, what was said on the, on that, on that tape on the radio. Um, and then as the responding officer gets there, uh, I'm going to let him know, listen, I understand that, that you have a job to do. And I promise I'm going to do everything I can to cooperate with you fully but I have really just been involved in something and I'm really shaken up. And I think it's really best if I wait until my attorney's present before I make any statement. But as soon as, as soon as I have him, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you and I'll give you everything you need. Um, I'm telling you, I'm, unless the evidence shows otherwise that guy's going home for the night. And, and I'm going to tell you it, you know, here's my card have your attorney call me tomorrow or, you know, if, if he's out of town, call me the next day, whatever. But this is, this is the way to reach me. Have your attorney call me and we'll set, set something up and we'll get you in here. Um, <clears throat> one of the other things, and you'll, you'll understand this and, uh, and your listeners will understand this, uh, the, the law enforcement end will. Um, if, if I'm on duty and I get shot at, and I have to return uh, lethal force as law enforcement respond to assist, I'm handled as a victim. When I roll up on the shooting at your house, everybody's a suspect when, I, when I'm coming. Everybody. I'm not handling you like a suspect. Now, I'm not going to handle you really aggressively, but... As, you know, as long as everything is, is secured and calmed down at the scene and everything like that, I, I'm good with that. But it, it's really important for me. And 
you know, I, I remember when we went into that two sleep cycles before making a statement and that pissed me off so bad. It was like, no, I want to, I want to get it over right now. I, if I've been in a shooting, I want to, I got to tell you what happened and that's human nature. Um, but the more education I've got, the more I've learned about it. Um, I've done a lot of, uh, peer support training and, and, uh, critical incident stress management and to understand what goes on in your brain and the way trauma affects your memory, man, it, it's critical that you, that you get that time to unwind and, and get things clear in your brain before you start saying things that are, that are horribly out of, out of order. Um, cause when you start looking at evidence and, and, in this day and age, it's, it's rare that I don't at least have a piece of video somewhere. Um, and suddenly you're going, this happened, this happened, that happened. And uh, that's not what the video says. Um, Orbell cams are everywhere. Yeah, it's Surveillance, not. Surveillance, yep. It's just the way a trauma memory works. Um, and it's like the doctor not understanding the effects of tachypsychia because he has all of these thoughts about, I'm going to kill him. Oh, wait, my kids are in the garage. I'm going to try to shoot him in the leg. Hopefully he'll stop. And what people don't understand is it happened in a millisecond. Um, the things that happen to, to our brains with their, I mean, it's the most incredible survival mechanism that you can ever imagine. Um, I mentioned Gary had been involved in a shooting and he is a long time ago. It's in the seventies, but he's pulling and he's got his Academy issue gun and it's a 354 inch 357 Magnum loaded with Magnum rounds. Yes. And uh, bad guy here, partner here. I mean, they're stacked like cordwood three deep and he's got a, a, a brick wall right beside him and the gun is in this hand and he, and he lets go of five rounds. He should be deaf. He should absolutely be deaf. And what Gary hears is like, even after the fact, it's not like his ears are ringing or anything else. Your body is such an incredible machine. Um, I've got a, a friend of my brother's that was involved in a shooting and they've got a guy shooting at them. And he takes aim and he squeezes around off and he swears that he can watch the round go all the way. And he says, I see it cut through the guy's jeans and it hits him about in the knee. And he thinks, crap, I got to raise my point of aim. And the next round hits him and, and drives him down. Um, amazing freaking machines is is. What, what's between our ears. Uh, that, that CPU that we have built in is capable of things that you can't even imagine. Um, it's the same with, you know, your, your visual cone just coming down. People talk about tunnel vision. Um, it can also be expressed as hyper vision. You know, uh, your, your, your time, like the doctor's case, can can go, it's like super slow motion. You know, you had all the time to process these thoughts. I'll do this, I'll do this. Oh no, wait, there's my kids. Oh, let's do this. And it's, it's within the span of a guy taking like three steps 
Um, so you got, got uh, auditory exclusion, you know, you're, you're not hearing the rounds. Um, and then you get that time warp and it can either go super slow or it can go super, super fast. Um, and it just kind of depends on the situation. It depends on uh, how traumatic it is for the person involved. It depends on um, how much training a person has had. You know, I've got a friend of mine that was involved in a big, big knockdown drag out shooting. And I mean, he is just pumping rounds. And this guy is a tag team guy. He trains all the time, really high speed. Um, he is a reserve in the army. He's done multiple combat tours. He's been in many, many gunfights. And all of a sudden he hears somebody say reload. And he's like, reload? Who the hell needs to reload? And he looks and he's got locked back. He didn't even realize it was him. I was like, good gosh, what's going on? So those things that go on in the, in the course of, you know, milliseconds, you know, it's just amazing how we process those things. So, <clears throat> absolutely. But and you and you brought up training, which is a normal topic for us. How yeah. that can absolutely positively affect us, and these yes. are things that we can do ahead of time. Yes. So I happen to be a member of. I guess would it be a member? I'm not a subscriber necessarily. I I have. A policy, I guess. If it's not insurance, I'm glad I said insurance because I think your your explanation was wonderful. I'm glad I misspoke there because yeah, I think your 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 explanation as to why CCW safe is not insurance really really was insightful, and I I'm, I hope it, it's also just as helpful and insightful for people listening. But yeah, I've I've been let's see here. I'm not quite a year yet, but my wife and I are both covered. One of the things that you that you discussed that I really, really appreciate that I don't know if enough people consider is that communication that we can, we can have, we can have things set ahead of time, like our training with my wife, with my daughter, can't really do it with a two-year-old yet, but we can discuss, okay, what happens if we involve, if, if we need to call the police, what are things that we tell them? Um, what if there is a shooting? So yeah. everyone in my family knows that I carry a firearm regularly Everyone knows that I'm a police officer, obviously. Um, if I did have to employ deadly force, do they know how to dial 911? Do they know what they need to say? And this is, a, this is a conversation that probably needs to happen. If you haven't already had it, have it now. Yeah. Um, my wife and I already have a plan. If we go to the mall or go somewhere, it's funny. Anytime I bring up mall, people are like, why are you doing that? Um, I don't have the final say in everything. I just... Yeah, I just have to go where I'm told. Um, if we're all at the mall or out or something, and I run into someone or I see someone that I'd rather not associate with, I might go in a different direction than my family. And there's a, I might have a code word or I might signal to my wife who already knows, okay, if we have this, we already have this plan. Having these plans ahead of time is kind of important. As is having some kind of a, how many people already have their attorneys? set up for we're all carrying guns we're all training have we thought about the next step after we've actually employed that deadly force rob that's that's a great great point um you know we've we've got a lot of guys that are like um 
I, I want to pick my own return. And, and I'm great with that. I'm absolutely great with that. Um, but I want to make sure that you've got the best guy to represent you that you can get. Um, and the fact that, that my cousin's husband is, is an attorney and he lives in the same town. Well, he's cheap mean, though. So does not mean that he's qualified. I don't care what the cost is. We're paying the cost. It's not you. You're a member. That's a benefit of your membership. Um, and we've only had one instance ever where the guy found out who we were and just threw out a number that was just like, nice try. We're going to go get a real attorney. Um, but I mean, I, you're not going to, you're not going to go do business stuff with, with a tax attorney. You're not going to go do medical stuff with an attorney that's a criminal defense specialist. I mean, you want an attorney that is a guy that is proficient in his field. Um, and these are really unique cases that I'm not just coming in saying, uh, I need a great criminal defense attorney because criminal defense attorneys are there to most of the time, try to try to make a case to show how you did not do it. And that's not the case in a self-defense case. Um, when police show up and I tell them, yes, sir, I'm, I'm the one that's involved. That's him. He, he attacked me. Uh, I was, I was in fear for my life. My firearm is secure over there. I, I can get it for you when you're ready. Um, there's no question who did what here. He's laying on the ground. I'm standing here and I'm telling you my firearm is secured over here. I don't know how we're going to say that that wasn't me. We're not going to say that. Um, so it's really important that you have somebody that has the experience and know-how and the knowledge to go in. And I don't really like the, the way they say this, but it's kind of the best way to say it. And they call it an affirmative defense. Yes, I did this. Um, Self-defense is an act that would otherwise be criminal in nature. And I have to prove that I was defending myself. I have to prove that there was the means and the intent and the will over here to do these things to me. Um, and if I hadn't acted the way that I did, I would have been had great bodily injury or death. Um, the other part of that is you designate an attorney and say, say he is that guy. He really has... He has the chops to back that up. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. But if he's already tied up in a really big case, does he have the time to cut loose and come over and, and sit down with you at the, at the jail or, or sit down with you at the precinct or come out to the scene or whatever? Um, the, the work that goes into these cases is unbelievably complicated and there's so much stuff that goes into it and so many hours that go into it so if your guy gets tied up on another case he may not be available and you may be getting a junior partner in the you know a, a junior Absolutely. attorney firm um so it it really is critical that that we get the right guys that can step in and do the things um 
some some of the things I like to do, um, and it's something that we've we've got a lot of success out of is uh, our network of cop friends. You know, you know we got friends from coast to coast, um, and to be able to call freaking Bobby Cotamaccio in, in New York city and go, Bobby, man, I, I need an attorney there. Uh, who's done X, Y, Z for the PD up there, you know, do you, cause if I've got a guy that's doing a lot of work on officer involved shootings, man, he's the greatest guy I could get to come in and, and work and help us with somebody that's a member of, of our service. Um, that's the guy that, and, and another thing is, we really like getting somebody in your locale for the simple fact that they have established relationships. He can walk into the county courthouse and he knows the court clerk and he knows the judges and he knows the prosecutors, probably knows the, the investigators pretty well. And there's already some, some good relationships in that regard. So we get a little bit, we get a little bit more bang for our buck than you know, hiring some, some big wheel from, from out, outside of state. And Absolutely. That's, that's the other part is, you know, everybody has to, has to be licensed by the bar in whatever state it is they're practicing. And, and I don't know anybody that's, that's certified in all 50 states. Um, the, the bonus that we have is, is we do have a great rep reputation um, and we've got, really, really high-end attorneys that, that know their stuff and, and can reach out and, and make connections for us and get the pe best people in, in place. Um, <clears throat> we go into the, the other costs because everybody knows, you know, the first thing you think is, oh my God, the attorney, that's going to be so expensive. Yeah, he is. How about your experts? Yeah. I can tell you, bottom dollar, they started about $200 an hour. Um, I've got cases that I've worked over 100 hours on. Um, I don't work for $200 an hour. Um, then you need, you know, we had two private investigators that we utilized uh, in the Stephen Maddox case out in North Carolina. Um, that was like $60,000 that went for investigators, guys, that's that's just things you never even dream of. Um, jury consultants, you know, that's it's such a big deal now because everybody's got a got a footprint in social media and things like that. And to be able in real time as we're going through jury selection, and you've got this list of people. And as you're taking guys through for dire and, and getting to question them to see if, if this is somebody we want on our jury panel or we don't want. And all of a sudden you, you're, you're coming through and all of a sudden you pull this guy up and it's like, Ooh, Matt Lanfair, he's, he's a cop. Oh wait, he's also a member of one of these services. Let's just don't bring that up. He's somebody we really want to, we want to uh, green light this guy and, and move him into the jury pool and, and, and hopefully the prosecutor doesn't see this guy. And Matt can tell you that uh, local places, uh, local prosecutors and things like that do not have the same 
resources available that we do. Um, there's just so many things that go into this. Um, again, I, I always reference the Stephen Maddox case because um, number one, he's given us permission to use all of his stuff. Uh, and number two, we're the only guys in the, in the industry that have had a member charged with first degree murder and taking it all the way from the incident through a jury trial, through an acquittal. Um, nobody else can say that. Um, it, it's just so beneficial. Um, we had an office directly across the street from the courthouse during his trial <clears throat> that as court would recess for lunch from CCW safe headquarters, we've got our, pre or our CEO that's picking up the phone and he's already made a, a lunch order and it's sitting on the table in the office of this place we've got rented out and they walk right across the street, lunch is on the table, and now you can start game planning for what are we gonna do for this next session after lunch. While the prosecutors and the detectives and everybody else involved in the case on the other side are like shotgunned out, racing out, trying to grab a quick sandwich. Oh my God, you gotta hustle and you're caught in traffic and all this other crap. Um, we have the luxury that we spent the money. We did this. And, and these are the things that are in place. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's not even it's pre a charge even. Um, you know, we, we had a case where uh, we had a member that had to defend himself. Shots are fired. The other guys, the other the other party is is shot um, and several people acquainted with the shot person begin making threats on our member and they know where he lives. Well, it's not even a thought that, you know, is this what's covered and what's not, that's not, you know, what's right is, is the way that we handle that case. And the next thing you know, uh, Gary is the, the guy that responded on, on that shooting and he's there and he, he goes over here and he, and he rents, a hotel room for the man and his wife for the next week and it's paid for it's it's not even you know it's not listed anywhere in your member benefits but it's taking care of a member and doing the right thing um so to be able to work for guys that are like that um and have that kind of freedom to to just act and do things that that are in the best support for you and your family um it, it, also comes, you know, you understand the mess that's associated with, with a shooting. Um, you know, people that haven't been around uh, traumatic injuries don't understand just how much blood can come out of a human body. Oh, yeah. A small, a small quantity take, makes a huge mess. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it takes forever to clean it. Um, you know, so we do crime scene cleanup. So you have a home invasion. You have to defend yourself. Dealing with the media? What people don't understand, yes, absolutely. Because that's part of our service. We're going to get out ahead of that. Um, but, but that crime scene cleanup, you know, we come out, we process this. You're, I'm talking about law enforcement response. We process a scene. CSI comes out. We snap pictures. We do all the things. Dust for prints. Yeah. How much of a mess does does taking prints make? It's horrible. It gets everywhere. 
and you can't, you, it's like you can never get it all. Um, we do crime scene cleanup. So all of that stuff is, is off of you. You know, let's, let's go get in a hotel and, and, and give you a safe place for the night and we'll, we'll get this all cleaned up and, and get it taken care of and don't worry about it. Um, those are just benefits that you never ever see. The, the, the psychological counseling that we provide post-incident. Um, and, you know, I've, I've said this many, many times on, on our podcast, um, anything that, that is a traumatic event like this, a, a critical incident, um, you know, you and I are, are the two guys involved. I'm, I'm the bad guy. You're the good guy. That's, that's what happens. And everybody goes, well, it's just two guys involved. And it's like, no, it's not. It's anybody and everybody connected to those two guys. It's got, you know, I've got this great big, huge pond and I just lob a rock out in the very middle of it. And it's just ring after ring after ring after ring because it affects me and it affects you and it affects my significant other and your significant other. And now, oh wait, it affects our kids. Oh wait, it, it affects my grandkids. My mom and dad are involved and it, everybody that's out there just ring after ring after ring and it's affected everybody. Um, those are things that really need to be uh, addressed and dealt with. And, and if you don't understand you, you you're in for a, a really rude awakening that you've been involved in this thing. And all of a sudden you just get overwhelmed by everything coming on. So I love the fact that we've got guys that have that kind of experience. They've been on all sides of this thing. And if nothing else, just to be able to give you the comfort to go, listen, Matt, this is coming next. Yeah. You know, the next step in this process is going to be this. Um, it, I know, I know you're worried about this. This is insignificant. This is this. We, you know, nothing becomes a big deal until we get to this step. Um, so to be able to have that knowledge ahead of time and you're, you're going along and, and just things just, it just re releases a lot of that anxiety that, that you're otherwise going to, going to feel, you know, Stephen Maddox's case took like 17 months before it went to trial. These are not things that happen overnight. You know, he lost his job in that case. How many hours are in seven in, in that many months? <laughs> Yeah, all of them. I'm yeah, every single one of them. Yeah, and I promise he knows that. <clears throat> um, you know, his job uh, was was finally one of those that they're just like, listen, we can't, we we can't keep you. You and they were just going to terminate him, and we sent somebody in, and they negotiated with the company, and, and they wound up getting him a one year severance package. You know, what kind of deal is that, man? That's yeah. freaking fantastic. You know, they know bonded him, you know, they were, they were going to hold them period. Yeah. And we go in and we petition the court and we get, uh, get a bond set. Once there's a bond set, guess what? We can get him out of jail now. Um, you know, even, even the stresses of life itself, you know, from that day forward until, until a jury verdict was, was rendered, he was, uh, he was allowed to go home and to his place of employment. You know, he had to get a new job and he could go house to work. That's it. He's on yeah. house to work and he's wearing an ankle monitor the whole time. And what you don't realize is you're responsible for paying for the ankle monitor. 
you know, the court doesn't just give you that. And you, you got to keep it charged and do all that thing. And cause and you have to put you, a, you have to put a plastic bag around your leg when you go shower. <laughs> yes. And if, if you wind up letting that thing die, they're going to charge you again. They're going to put you in. They're going to set a bond again. Um, and, and people don't realize that, well, you know, if I, if I do all my duty and I show up for court and all this, I get that money back. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's what you did to get yourself out of, out of the County jail. And until we got this all resolved. Um, so it's, it's incredibly pricey. It costs a lot of money to do these things. Um, it, it, it's just unheard of to think, you know, I could probably, I, I can probably sell my house. I can probably get rid of, get rid of a lot of stuff. You know, I, I can cash in a retirement. I can, you know, I can probably get to court and, and make that stuff happen. But everything I've worked my whole entire life for now is gone. Yeah. Um, and that's because I've been smart and I have these things. Not everybody has those things. Um, bare minimum, if, if you've got significant bodily injury or death or, uh, yeah, significant bodily injury or death and they, and they file charges on you, probably bare minimum is probably $300,000. That's a lot of money. I mean, it, it's just things that you have to think about. Um, you know, I, I don't ever, I don't ever trash talk competitors. Um, but we, but there are competitors out there that are insurance companies. Um, and part of that, you know, we, we lost Washington state. We fought that fight for a long time and, and, uh, their insurance commission kept, kept saying, no, you guys are an insurance. Um, and we, we were beginning to get fined and things like that. And it just wasn't fiscally responsible to, to remain in that state. Um, they were going to allow us, but they wanted us to put something in called a recoupment clause. And what that means is uh, you're involved in Washington state. You're in a shooting. We come in, we give you the services necessary to, to mount your defense and yet uh, a jury finds you guilty or you take a plea agreement and all of a sudden now it is a criminal offense. You've, you've pled guilty or been convicted. And since an insurance can't insure a criminal act, now we're responsible for coming back at you to recoup all of the monies that we've spent in your defense. Um, and there's, some of the biggest names in the industry have recoupment clauses. It's something that's very important that if you're, if you're looking in and, and I'm telling you, if you're going to carry, you need to have some kind of coverage, but you also need to ask them if they have a recoupment clause. Um, and there's some of them out there that go, you know, we, we have it in writing, but, but it doesn't mean that we're going to do it really. Then why do you have it in writing? Um, it, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's kind of a smoke and mirrors thing. And, you know, if I, if I get the opportunity and I'm looking at 15 years in the penitentiary, or I can accept this misdemeanor plea agreement over here, 
I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm de- depending on what I got going on in my world, that might be a really good, safe might bet. Be viable. Yeah, it, it may be something I'm willing to willing to look into and do. And uh, so when I have to repay back the monies spent in my defense, I, I don't see how that's any kind of coverage. I don't I don't know what the value of that is for anybody. Um, to me, it's kind of a sucker bet. You know, I'm, I'm the sucker. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to the other things, you know, the more publicity it is, the more money you're going to spend. That's a given. Uh, the Rittenhouse case was over $2 million. You know, that's a lot of money. So. I, I think a, a lot of people haven't really thought about this and I've had conversations with people about, uh, legal coverage, legal assistance, legal whatever, having a, having a service like this. And I think a lot of people are looking at it the same way. And what I'm about to say is going to kind of show my age. Does anyone remember the yellow pages? And when you go in the yellow pages, you'd go to bail bonds and there would be, it would be an alphabetical order. But if it started with a plus, like a, a, an actual, like a numeral plus thing, that would be first before the A's. So you would have these bail bondsmen, all these bail com- companies, and it's like plus triple A, and then plus 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 triple A, and you wouldn't you wouldn't find anything that starts with a Z because that's just silly. That's at the end. The way I see this, and also go a, a little bit more. I remember booking people in, and they'd be looking through the yellow pages to find a good bail bondsman, and they'd be, and I re- I think I remember even seeing ads pasted in the booking areas. Um, yeah, I think that's how people are, are viewing this and thinking, well, if I get arrested, I'll just go to the yellow pages and figure out through that. I'll, I'll find my attorney then, you know, you're too late. You're so screwed already. If, if, if you are, if you're getting booked in and now you're going to look for your attorney, you're behind, you've, you've already lost. This is something to already have planned and, and established long before already know what's going to go on already know who you're calling already i wouldn't say have a rapport having a rapport would be wonderful to have with an attorney first but at least having resources already set i think that might be advantageous for you yeah just just my thoughts well and you know that's the thing again uh stephen maddox tells us you know his, his case was It was just under a half million dollars, all said and done at the, at the conclusion. He'd been a member for 32 days. That's it. Um, ever paid another dime above a, what, what his membership fee was um, because he paid for a membership. All the legal services are the benefits of that membership. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, we need to, we need to pull in another investigator. Uh, we're going to have to tax you for that. Uh, we we put that bill. Um, it it's been a remarkably successful business model because we didn't get a big ego and go try to reinvent the wheel. We saw how the FOP model worked, and we just did it just like that. The difference is. Uh, depending on your 
your locale, you know, I was, I was very fortunate. I worked in a huge department that had all kinds of expertise. Um, our attorneys were experts. Um, our chaplain services or peer support, those kind of things were just, all of that was, was really, really good. Um, I could be in a little uh, rural community, you know, with, with a really small department or something like that, that doesn't have those kind of resources available. Um, and, and that's, it was kind of part of the, my decision in, in where I even applied to be an officer. Um, I just wanted to be in a place that I knew I was going to have the opportunity to do all kinds of things. I wasn't just going to be stuck in a scout car for, for the duration of my, my life. And, uh, and, and it's so funny to say things like that because in retrospect, the funnest, uh, most joyful part of being a cop was just being a street cop, just being in a car and taking calls and, and doing stuff like that. Um, because every day was a brand new day. Absolutely. I, I come into the investigations office and I got a stack of stuff like that. On my desk. And if I go on vacation, there's nobody working my cases. And, and a lot of times, depending on my unit, I'm on vacation and I'm still getting assigned new cases. Um, oh, and you did sex offenses too. Uh, big, big, big pass. Yes. Yo, thank yes. you. Um, and, you know, it's, there's just so much stuff that goes into all that. Um, you know, I got no regrets out of anything I ever did. I had just, I had a storybook career. I, I, I never had to shoot anybody. I, I mean, I had, I, I was involved, you know, I was in so many different aggressive units. I've, I've been involved on more than 500 hot entries. Um, and yeah, we encountered guys with guns, but we overwhelmed them. Um, and I know guys that have been in their first week in the field training program and been in shootings. I mean, just sheer freaking luck. Yeah. Uh, and then as you get older and, and get a little salt, um, you know, that, that training and preparation and those kind of things, you, you learn to kind of hedge your bets and, and stack the odds in your favor and, and overwhelm people and do things like that. Um, but you know, I, I, I have zero regrets of anything I got to do in my career. I, and I, I'm just so thankful for everything that, that I was a part of. I mean, yeah. it was just a great life. So um, is there anything else that, that you're thinking of as far as off the top of my head? I, I can't think anything. I think this, uh, this really covered a lot. And I, I also, something that I didn't mention. So I am, I am a member. Um, oh, my dad just came up with a question. Ah, we should discuss that because that also brings up a question that I, or a, a comment I have. So before we go to my dad's question, who, yeah, my dad's watching. Um, my, I uh, just did a quick calculation and my FOP monthly in a year is almost as much as uh, my coverage with you guys. And I, I thought that was interesting because it's really not that much. Um, so yes, I am a member. CCW safe also advertises on the primary and secondary um, on the forum. 
this episode isn't, yes, it's providing information about it. The end result though is just like everything. First off, let the mission determine what's going to be best for you, but also make sure you have something, make sure you think about this and be educated about it before you need it. So if you go through and you really weigh everything and determine, you know what? I live in the middle of nowhere. I'm never going to ever encounter another human being for the rest of my life. I probably will never use deadly force. You know, maybe this stuff isn't for you. Maybe it might not be a good idea for you. However, if you're carrying every day, you're among people regularly, you might live. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to say where you live. If you determine it's necessary, this might be something for you to look into. I personally am a member. I don't get any anything for for getting additional people to sign up. Um, yeah, I don't have any code or anything when I choose not to, I'd rather people just be educated on what's available. And, uh, I, I want people to make the best decisions for themselves. I'm not a big fan of lists. I don't like to present, okay, a through Z, or these are all your options and they're in order of what's best, what's best changes. There's no such thing as necessarily a consistent best. So with that in mind, with, and Okay, so we just did some videos on Taurus pistols. Who would have thought we would have done pistols or videos on Taurus? Guess what? That G3 did really well. Could not have been two years ago. I, I would never have thought that we would have done this, but things change. And so constantly assessing, constantly determining, okay, what's best for you every day? What's going to be the, my best course of action? What's going to be the best thing for me in a year? Take all this in consideration and do what works best for you. Question my dad had, what is an FOP model? Rob? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the FOP is the Fraternal Order of Police. Um, there's also a PBA, which is the Police Benevolent Association. What, whatever, whatever model or whatever brand they, they put on it, it's basically a union for, for, the, for the police officers. Um, they do... Uh, have a bargaining unit that that negotiates our contracts annually um but they also have um defense plans that are in place um so we know that that we're going to have an attorney present with us if, if we're involved in a shooting um <clears throat> but the numbers of people at, at least for the agency i work for um and, and we really were blessed but if I was involved in a shooting, I was going to have uh, a representative from the Fraternal Order of Police show up. I was also going to have an attorney from them show up. Um, the city attorney was going to come out. Um, one of the chiefs was going to come out. Um, investigations was running on it. Anything officer involved was going to be in it investigated by homicide, whether it involved a death or not, because those guys are the best guys and, and you want the very best handling your officers. Um, we had a, a deal called the, the CHAPS program. It was cops helping allevi alleviate police problems. Um, so you'd get a rap from, from CHAPS that would come out to, to kind of help you through the, the issue. And usually that was a chaplain and some other things, um, maybe a peer that was involved with them. Um, so you have all of these resources responding to your incident then, um, and we've kind of put exactly the same kind of thing in place 
Now, we're not exactly where you're located in the country, but we, we have those resources with you within 24 hours. Um, the ability to get that, that uh, psychological assistance um, in, in, in traumatic things. Um, and I, I can tell you, there, there's so many things that you think you'll respond to that, that might handle something one way or the other. Um, the more I am mentally prepared for an incident, the better I deal with it when I get to it. Um, the, the greater my training was, uh, the more, uh, really the, 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 the more tools I had in my tool belt, the, the better rounded officer I was and the more mentally prepared I was for those encounters, um, the, the better I handled them. Um, you know, you'll see in an officer in ball shooting, one of the very first things we do is we, we get that officer and get him in a backseat of a car because it's something that I don't know what his outward emotional reaction is going to be like. Um, and I don't need a news camera recording all that. And, and I want to explain those because if you've never been involved in a shooting, you don't really understand it. Um, I had a good friend of mine that had really kind of worked every area of law enforcement. He'd, he'd been a motorcycle jock. He'd been a crime scene investigator. He'd been an investigator. He'd been a really good patrol guy. Gets to the end of his career. Um, and he thinks, you know what? I want to finish out in a, in a car. I want to finish out on the streets. And has a, a guy that, I mean, he... They're looking for this guy. I think he was like an armed robber or something like that, but he finds him. And all of a sudden he knows it's going to go, he knows it's going to go down and the kid pulls on him and it's a, it's a fatal shooting. Um, and my buddy wins and he was so pissed off. Um, but he was pissed off because he was like, I was almost done. I almost made my whole freaking career. Why did he make me do that? Um, that's a that's a natural, normal response. I've also had guys that maybe weren't completely all the way ready to be involved in something like that. And all of a sudden they respond to their training. They handle business. They do all the stuff. But mentally they hadn't done the work to be ready for it. And all of a sudden you see them over and they're, you know, they're, they're bent over grabbing their knees and they're throwing up. Um, and guess what? That's a normal response. Um, and then you show up and you've got something that was really hairy and really hardcore. And it's just, you know, shoot out at the okay corral and all of a sudden the officer prevails and he wins and his buddies roll up. And he's just like, yes. And he's high-fiving and, and everybody's like, he's celebrating that he just killed a man. No, he's celebrating that he just survived almost dying. So we protect those guys and get them out of the way. And, and we try to get things like that in place for our members. Um, and it's why we, we want you paying attention to our, our training stuff and our podcasts and our newsletters. Um, you don't even have to be a member to get them. 
it's simple enough. We want everybody to be able to get in there and and have access to to that free material. And you can just go straight to the to the website at ccwsafe.com. Scroll across the top bar and you look for the little tab that says news. You click on that and it just opens up a wide range of all kinds of stuff. And we've got we've got articles from experts in their fields and you've got, you know, Don West doing podcasts and and articles and Steve Moses writes articles for us. And uh, Andrew Branca comes on and, and guests with us all the time. Matter of fact, I have Andrew on our show again tomorrow. Um, there's just so many things that, that we provide that are just, it's just free gold. You know, it's, it's stuff that's out there that, that is so, um, well, it's ignored and and it's, and it's, and it's purely due to ignorance and it's not a bad thing that people are ignorant to it, but it's not their own fault. Maybe they haven't, they've never thought about it. Yeah. But, and, yeah. and that, that's why, you know, especially, you know, guys like you, we get, we get a member that, that has, has a little bit of a reach and it's like, guys, this stuff is out there and it's free yeah. and cost you a dime. You know, you, if you've got internet access, just click on the thing and, and, and dive in, um, you know, not just that. I mean, you know, uh, Jeff Gonzalez has, has done a series of, of handgun stuff for us. Jeff was a, was a was an operator he was on the seal teams and he still has his hair and he does still have his hair it's quite beautiful hair if I yes know. it is <laughs> um you know jj ricasa just did a did a, a piece for us um you know jj was was second here recently at uh carry optics nationals and lightning then, fast shooter crazy ridiculous unbelievable um and as much as I love watching him shoot and watching him do his thing, um, I love being around him even more. He's, he's like the most amazing human being and just infectious, excited personality. He's a great dude to be around. Um, but we've got, we've got bits and pieces that JJ did for us that, that we've got out there. Um, we just picked up Julie Golub as a, as a brand ambassador. Julie is just, just a wonderful, amazing human. Um, just great, great wife, great mom, great human, great American. Um, well, you she's, know, like, it, it, she's like a female version of JJ. Yeah. And her perspective also, and the way you just described her with the, the various roles, unfortunately it's ignored by a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah, I have some awesome shooter, awesome perspectives. Yeah. And if you ignore, if you ignore it, there's, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, she, I mean, just, I am so honored to know her. I mean, it's just, it, it's so cool. I mean, I'm so, I, I'm just elated that she joined our team. It, it's a, it's a really big deal for us. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've got a, a good little thing going with, uh, Jacob Paulson and his guys over at concealedcarry.com. We were the title sponsor for their Guardian Nation Conference. I just finished up Sunday. Um, but, you know, the, it, it's kind of a buffet of training. You know, yeah. you didn't get three days with Scott Jedlinski, but you had, and we, 
you know, Matthew Little is, was, was a, a special. Chicago. Person. Yeah. 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 Um, yep. Ran the SWAT stuff, ran their training. Um, and it's, and he's amazing running a gun, but anybody that's done that kind of work for any length of time has, has really, really sacrificed their bodies for it. Um, oh, that's an understatement. And he just and, had all those surgeries and he's yeah. still functional. Dude, he's like six weeks post-op. Yes. He's moving better than ever. Yes. And still a, a magician running that gun, you know, and his wife, um, Angela's is his assistant instructor. And she's, she's pretty freaking good with a pistol as well. Um, but they run a great line. Um, you had Riley Bowman out there. Um, no one likes Riley though. Wayne, no, everybody hates. Wayne. Yeah. Good. Was, <laughs> yeah. No one likes Wayne. No. Yeah. Um, it just, just unbelievable. Yeah. Todd Foster came out and did some, did some empty hand stuff. Um, a little bit of, uh, yeah, a little bit of hand-to-hand -hand stuff. Um, Chuck Haggard is out, and he was doing. Yeah, no one likes him either. Yeah, managing unknown contacts, and he did uh, did his pepper spray stuff, which is the best I've ever seen. And that's another thing that's so ignored for some reason. But options are good. Andrew Branca was out with us, and and covering you know five elements of self defense, and and. I'm telling you, if you guys don't know Andrew, you you need to get in touch with him and 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 become plugged in. He's got such a great legal mind and and perspectives. Um, we we've, we've actually partnered with Andrew now, and 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 to have have him and Don West on our team is just it's just mind blowing to me. We we have built absolutely just a, a, a we're just built up with rock stars right now. It's yeah. like all-star cast yeah it really is um go ahead oh a uh, question came up earlier rob mentioned a politically motivated prosecution is there any difference to how the immediate aftermath should be handled in areas that are known for strongly leaning one way politically there are um and that's another piece of the puzzle that that we provide um and it's you mentioned it a little bit earlier, and it was kind of getting in the media and getting out ahead of the story. Um, we're not going to just sit there and take a beating and let you go. Yeah, you know, be a punching bag for the media. Um, that that was such a horrible thing in well uh, in the George Zimmerman case. You know, they got so far behind the eight ball on that case and. Things got so twisted and there's still people that are out there going, well, he did this or he did that. And it was like, no, he didn't. You need to, you need to get the case file. You need yeah. to read what really happened. Um, well, well, I can think of some, uh, some instances where law enforcement was involved. There might've, if I recall correctly, there was, well, actually, no, yeah, there were definitely force situations and law enforcement never got ahead of it. And all yes. they did was all they could do is almost play catch up, but they couldn't had they headed off at the pass and, and addressed and said, this is what happened. They wouldn't be where they are as negatively in a negative position as they are now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's just one of those that, uh, <laughs> 
Eric's popping in. Um, yeah, I messaged. I, I wanted to know if he wants to jump on. Eric, do you want on? We have a, uh, I call it the generic primary and secondary law enforcement something chat. And I, it looks like he hasn't even seen it yet. Oh, okay. Eric, do you want on? It's probably only going to be for a couple minutes. Oh, good. Eric's jumping on. Yeah, Eric jumps on all the time. He's a regular. As a matter of fact, he's so regular, we probably don't even need to do an intro for him. But it's Eric. Now take a drink. <laughs> we'll go with the irregular. You missed it. We talked about everything. We're done now. See ya. Okay, great. Hi, Rob. Nice to see you. Good to see you, buddy. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those that you, you watched them battle that in the Rittenhouse case. Yeah. You know, the media just spun so hard on it. And, you know, it's one of those, if you want to ask my personal opinion, no, he shouldn't have been there. Um, I, I don't like anything that happened about decision the making. But once it got down to uh, making that choice and defending himself, it, the elements of self-defense were in place. Um, and I, I still believe the jury came back with the proper decision in that case, but, you know, at the, at the cost of, you know, two plus million dollars. Um, and that, that price tag gets on there because it spun out of control. Um, so, you know, not only are you going to be tried in court, you're going to be tried in the media and, and those are things that have to be addressed and answered. So, uh, kind of a big deal. Yeah, court of public opinion. That is expensive to, to gain any any direction. Yeah. Eric, you don't know anything about that. No, and unfortunately, the longer stuff sits unanswered, the yep. worse it gets in that venue. Yeah. Once you once your side, you know, however you want to look at that, even starts to try to put anything out, there's there's just too much to counter. And media sources don't retract. They never go back and say, oh, wait, we found out that, you know, what what was alleged, what we reported was wrong. And those narratives sit. And unlike Europe that has the right to be forgotten, we've got the Google machines that go back forever here and nothing seems to disappear domestically. Yeah. Well, I think that's also why a couple of us on the interwebs, we insist on, okay, an incident happened. Yes, we acknowledge that. Well, we're not going to talk about it for several days and let more information come out because it, it serves absolutely no purpose to jump to any conclusions because they're incomplete. Unfortunately, this isn't the norm, though. Well, and it, it's funny. Um, I get calls every time a, a, an incident like that pops out. It, and it's just it's a given. It's going to. And it's like, hey, what's your opinion on this? Well, my opinion is I don't know anything more than what you know. And until I do, I can't give you an opinion. Yep. Um, everything that I see, it, it looks, it looks horrible, but a, a real use of force looks horrible. There's nothing that's yep. kind and nice about it. We can't put it, we can't put a pretty bow on it and make it look presentable. It's ugly. Um, it, at this, by that same token, if I if I have to respond with violence, it's going to be overwhelming violence. Yes. Um, I it, it's something I I train my whole life for. I'm actually kind of good at, but 
it's not my go-to. You know, my go-to is, is avoidance. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a gunfighter anymore. I'm not in that game anymore. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just a citizen. (laughs) My mission has changed completely. Um, and, and once, once that spin cycle starts, good gosh. And you, you have got to, you have got to get in front of that. Um, and really you got to get in front of it before, before it hits spin cycle. You know, let's, let's try to get it when it's still in the rinse. Well, an aspect of the media, and this is something I bring up probably too often, but an aspect not enough people are aware of is, well, they're in the process of getting nowadays it's clicks. It's not spreading information. And part of spreading that or getting those clicks is it's creating outrage. They themselves can create their own material to create outrage. And as Eric said, they don't necessarily have to pull anything back. So they can, it can be the most outrageous claims and slant it in a, in a way that's absolutely horrible that will get a lot of attention and people will keep on coming back to find out, okay, what's next? What's, what's happened? What have they found out? And well, it turns out if everything was justified, they're not going to give that too much uh, attention. Eric. No, you, you won't see that. Um, you'll continue to see the media pushing a narrative, even when everything does come out and justified, no matter how many different investigations look into it. Another problem, and I don't know if you guys hit on this, the civil liability aspect of this, because like, obviously I showed up way late. Um, one of the things that, that a couple of us are starting to see now is when you look at like summary judgment and some of the, some of the rulings you can get along the way, they're based on a view favorable, most favorable to the non-moving party. So if you're being sued, you're filing for a motion against the party that's suing you. If it's, they got to look at it in a perspective that's favorable to them. The problem that we're running into is when you start seeing plaintiff's attorneys going so far off the deep end with their allegations and that are also going along with claims in the media that bar doesn't sit like between the two fingertips, that bar sits somewhere with one hand way the heck off the screen. And now the court's trying to look at it and figure out what's there. Um, That's just one of many problems that goes on. You know, I I want to touch on that just because you brought it up and we get calls and complaints about this all the time. Um, Our, our membership service provides 100% complete criminal coverage. Um, so that's court costs or anything else related. So, you know, we were talking about all the unknown costs. So we want to talk about your attorney or an investigator or crime scene guys or experts or jury consultants, whatever it is, our stuff covers at 100%, no matter, there's not a cap, there's not a limit. Um, post acquittal, where they drop the case or whatever, and it goes, and all of a sudden the family has some attorney go over and, and squirm them around and go, hey, I think we can get you some money out of this. And they go to the civil suit. We do exactly the same thing all, all over again. Um, the bonus is uh, as far as investigators and experts and those kind of guys, they already know the case. You don't have to rework them up and everything is in place. You might want to go with a different attorney, um, and we do typically, because the guy that does the criminal defense 
criminal attorney is, is remarkably different than a civil attorney. There's a different uh, preponderance of evidence. It's not the same. Uh, you know, OJ was acquitted in the criminal case, but he was found guilty in the civil case. And it, it was just more the simple fact that he was more likely than not to have done it was enough to say, yes, we're going to get in his pocket. Um, what Eric is talking about, and he says civil liability, that's actually the damages award um, because they've they've fought, they they found against you in that civil case, and we add that with the exception of our, of our top tier programs that the civil liability is an add on because um, we'll we'll take all the expenses of the civil trial all the way through the end, but if there's a judgment against you, that comes from your pocket. If you do the civil liability add-on, um, it's an additional $220, but we pay the first $1 million of that liability claim. Um, the, one, the other thing I wanted to touch on there is in the civilian realm, civil cases don't get filed that frequently. Um, if you're if you're a cop carrying and you shoot somebody, I don't care where you're carrying it's almost a given that there's going to be a civil case on this. Um, and it's not anything at the cop. It's the fact that the city's got deep pockets and that's where they're going. And, and even if they choose not to really fight it, most of them will give 10 or $20,000 just to make the case go away. So without even really trying, I get something out of the deal. Um, and, Joe Citizen's case, you know, you got a guy over here that makes, you know, he makes $40,000 a year and he's got a wife and two kids and you can sue him for a million dollars, but you're never going to see a million dollars. Um, it's just not, you know, that it's just not worth the effort for an attorney to, to go do that. Um, so those cases really, they're, they're really far more rare. And I, I know that's everybody's biggest fear is, oh my God, they're going to sue me and I'll lose everything I ever worked for. Probably not. Um, it, it, and there's other, there's other states that, you know, if, if we've been to trial and I've been acquitted, then, then I'm not liable civilly anymore. Uh, there's 22 states that do that. You can still have a case, but I have to, I have to answer it. So, Interesting thing on that, Rob. California yeah. until very recently, and this was on the, the, the law enforcement side rather than on the decent normal human side, was if somebody had been convicted of resisting arrest or assaulting an officer, they could not sue for excessive force. We now have, a, it's, a, uh, I think it's a federal court ruling, but it could be stayed. That, I haven't dug into it on that, but I know the deputy had happened to. There was a conviction by jury They've overturned the section that prohibited those folks from suing, and there's now a civil suit going forward against the deputy on that. So while it's LE-centric, not normal human-centric, once that stuff starts to change, based on reasons, I fear it drifting into the normal human world as well. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable fear. I mean, uh, we, we see these attacks whether it's on the 2A community or law enforcement community or, or whatever else, but, but they, they flow from, from opposite corners 
to the middle. So whatever is happening in California is, is going to try and make its way inland. Whatever happens in New York is also going to try to make its way west. It, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, I, I had Chuck Michelle on, on our podcast uh, like the week after the Bruin decision came out. And it, it, it's just unbelievable to me that they knew California and New York State already had their playbook ready. It, you know, if, if this case comes out like this, these are the things that we're going to enact. And New York State did it like that freaking quick. Um, California tried theirs really fast, and, and fortunately, most of that stuff got shut down. So, But it was close. It was a damn close vote. <clears throat> Yes, yes, it was. Is that where you're at, Eric? Yeah, I'm, I'm still living in California. I haven't worked. I'm tired, but I haven't moved out of there yet. You know, though, right now I'm actually in the better state of Colorado. Uh, another one with magazine capacity laws. Yeah, <laughs> home of Magpul, which makes no sense. Uh, but if you ever want to run into, or if you ever want to see Eric, just go to Disneyland because you'll just run into him there. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how or why the timing was just that was surreal to see I him. There. Notice I did not try to dodge you. No, you didn't. No. But that was just surreal to see you there. I'm like, yeah. Eric, yes, and was. you live here. <laughs> I live at the other end of the state. So I was going to say the other part of the theme park. Yeah. Well, it is a theme park. It's the whole state. Yeah, he lives in the haunted mansion. Um, so as far as I can think of, I think we've really covered a tremendous amount of this. That doesn't mean we necessarily have to be done totally. I, I see. Yeah, we I think we've reached a reasonable point where we could probably say, OK, let, we, we, we can end here. Um, for those of you that are watching, whether it be live right now in real time right now or after it's recorded, if you want if you have questions, if there's if there are topics related to this that you want to see more discussion about, let me know, Matt at primaryandsecondary.com. I'm happy to put together another panel, another discussion. Um, really, for the most part, in my opinion, the most important aspect is know what your options are. Have this already thought out before you've done it. Because most likely, if you're listening to this, there's a good possibility you're carrying a gun as we speak. There's a good possibility you probably carry one regularly, at least, or have one accessible. That means there's the possibility of deadly force. There's a good possibility you've already taken some form of training, whether it was professionally through your employment or you've done it privately. This means you've put forth some effort, put forth some effort to your defense, which is no one. Honestly, I don't think anyone wants to be involved in something like this. People may say, yeah, I'm going to ruin someone's day. I'm going to get in a gunfight. I question those people's sanity. I, I, yeah, I've been in law enforcement now 20 something years. I still would rather talk to someone, talk to someone down than have to shoot someone. I don't ever want to have to do that. Um, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just odd. Based on the, uh, the reactions from my fellow panelists here, I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> Prepare for the worst, hope for the best, find what works best with your lifestyle. Uh, yeah, I am a CCW safe member. 
they do they do uh, uh, have advertisements on the, the 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 forum. Look into them. I don't think it would be a bad thing. Um, and I did look and find out that yeah the the yearly cost to it is just a bit more than what I'm paying for my FOP. My FOP also is purely is pretty much purely uh, legal. It isn't doing anything with wages or anything like that. It's just uh, legal support. But leg having legal having that 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 legal support, the legal help, it can be a lifesaver because when you're in your this is the worst possible experience. This might be the low point in your life that you've just been put through all of this. This is not the time to be making critical decisions. This should already be made. Um, so from here, let's get some final thoughts and plugs. Eric, since you joined us late, I think we should start with you because I haven't heard enough from you. Just real quick, if you haven't, and I don't know if you guys talked about it or not, but if you haven't seen the legal bills that go around with a justified use of deadly force, uh, well, it'll be just, it'll should be a justified use of deadly force at the end of the legal process, right? If you haven't seen what those bills run and what attorneys charge an hour, um, you might be shocked. I've had a chance to see them in the aftermath of mine, both on the criminal side and on the civil side. Um, I have retired peace officer legal defense fund coverage, and I also have um, coverage from another, another firm that hasn't been discussed here tonight. So I'll just leave it at that. You owe it to yourself, you owe it to your family not to go in debt on this. Take a look at everybody that's out there, find a plan that works for you and go with them. Yeah, that's the point. Um, train. Yeah, guys, train. Um, everybody thinks, you know, and we've all kind of touched on it. You hear those guys out there saying, I'll do this, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, those are not the guys that do it. Those are the guys that are still trying to convince themselves that they could if they had to. Um, the guys that have trained and prepared for this hope, hope to God that they never have to, um, it is, uh, incumbent on you to, to spend that time. It doesn't mean you have to spend that money. Um, I can, I can sit here and work on presentation in my house. Uh, I can, I can dry fire in my house. I can, I can do all kinds of things. Uh, just short of, of firing around. Um, and there are things that, that build my skill set. They prepare me um, uh, as well as put the gun down, don't do anything with it, and sit there and do mental preparation. But, you know, think yourself through a, a scenario. We, we will never just rise to the occasion. You're always going to fall to the level of your preparation. That's just the way it works. Um, there, there are people out there that are uh, remarkably vicious, remarkably violent, and, and big threats on communities. Um, it, it's the reason that, you know, I, I may be retired, but I, I carry and I will always carry. And uh, I, I just do that because I'm not going to be your victim. Um, everybody's touched on it. I, I don't care who you get. Um, but have some type of coverage because like Eric was talking about the cost of that, you're, you're starting um, at about the $300,000 mark and it just goes up. Um, those cases are crazy expensive now. Um, and I'm not living in a big metropolitan area. I mean, I'm, I'm in Oklahoma city, but I'm not New York city. I'm not LA. I'm not, not in a place like that. Um, 
and and I have the availability of of, of those those quality help that they're going to come to my aid. Um, for any of you guys out there that that are interested or you have a a, uh, a group that you're already with and you want to know what the difference is or you you got questions and you know what can I do for you that they can't or can I do anything differently for you or whatever you guys can always reach me um, you can get me directly at rob rob at ccwsafe.com um, I'd be happy to answer any questions um, I can tell you, you, you know, I've talked about our team and, and it is absolutely a dream team. Um, there's nobody else I would call if it, it, and I'm very blessed that, you know, I, I've known these guys for decades. Uh, I know how it started. I know how it was built. Um, and I know it's built for the long term. Um, they're, they're remarkably solvent and uh you know some people do a whole lot of marketing and provide a little bit of service and uh there's other people out there that can can really go the extra mile for you when it comes to the service end of it um also for the guys that are out there that are that are firearms instructors and and need yeah just well um, we also have uh, Firearm Trainers Association. Um, you can get us at ftaprotect.com. Um, but again, great organization. We have a just a multitude of amazing guys and girls in there that, that are out there really doing quality work. Um, but it, it's something that we can uh, help protect you, get you some... Uh, you know, if you if you're not operating and and got waivers and things like that, we can we can build you up like that and, and help you there and help you with your business model and those kind of things. So, um, I'm just as always, I'm I'm so thankful to get the opportunity to just come on and and visit with guys that uh, have common interests and common concerns. Um, and I'm I'm just so thankful to have that opportunity. So, Matt, you want to. You want to holler again, dude? Will, oh, will absolutely. Jump. One thing that I forgot to mention, so I just logged into CCW Safe. Um, so I have the ultimate plan, and that plan specifically also, not only is it covering me, but it's also covering my wife. Right. Kind of like that. Now, the next step is to actually convince my wife that firearms are a good idea for her to have defensively. That's coming. And for her to actually carry, that's like seven steps ahead. But... It's there. Um, what was that? I said, you got to start with one gotta step. start somewhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just looking at that, I, I thought, oh, that's, that's something that we didn't mention, but yeah, that's kind of nice. Uh, just another benefit. Even, even the other lesser plans, um, even if my spouse is not, uh, uh, a licensed carrier or something like that. Um, all of our plans will cover a spouse inside the home and also minor children. So very cool. You don't have to do anything additional. We just need their names and, and need to know who's in the home and they'll, they'll be covered as well. What if they used a vehicle defensively? <laughs> you can actually cover any, any weapon of opportunity. So 
Yeah. Uh, See, now that was, and that was a serious question. And I'm, I'm sure someone's listening, but oh, that's silly. No, there, that, there yes, yeah, absolutely. Baseball yep, that, bat. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have to be guns. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks guys. Except for Eric, cause he just showed up. Um, awesome <laughs> discussion. Really enjoyed it. Really educational. Hopefully people listening both live and after the fact who missed it live, who could have asked questions, uh, got something out of this. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors. Big thanks to Big Tech's Ordinance. Big thanks to Filster. Big thanks to Primary Arms. Big thanks to Walther. Lastly, big thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We just had an awesome video shoot. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. All kinds of guns were shot. All kinds of ammo expended. Various Magnum guns. I think pretty much everything on the wall behind me was packed up and, and went with us. Uh, nothing's been cleaned. You don't clean guns. Uh, that was because we have the Patreon subscribers. Because the Patreon subscribers, we can do this kind of stuff regularly. It's paying for my editing software. It's paying for uh, hosting services, all kinds of stuff. On Facebook, we have 736 different groups. Not really that many. It feels that way. But we have a bunch of different groups focusing on different topics. Everything from law enforcement to hunting to outdoors to, yeah, actually not outdoors, but preparedness. We do have that. Um, we do have a website, primaryandsecondary.com forum at primaryandsecondary.com slash forum. My favorite thing to say at the end of every one of these episodes, I really need to say it more often, make sure you are supporting those sources that you have found to be beneficial. What that means is if what these guys, what they said kind of helps you, make sure you find them on social media, make sure you're giving them likes, make sure if what they say is if it's given you a positive, if there's a positive impact, make sure you're sharing, make sure you subscribe. That goes for everything primary and secondary. If this episode was beneficial to you, don't hesitate. As a matter of fact, I urge you, please share. Um, additionally, it's too, it's not too late. You can do a like right now. We've been going on for two hours now. Deserves a like. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do so. Um, the reason I say that, oh, and also uh, there's that, uh, what is it? The notification little bell thing. Even some of our Patreon subscribers that they get notified of stuff like this, they don't even know. Hit that that little notification thing so you know when we have new stuff. Uh, I have a bunch of more videos that we have. Man, everything. Let's see here. Two more Taurus videos. We have a big bore video. We have some gel test videos. We have a bunch. And we still have some additional videos that we're going to be filming in the near future. John the Fish Cop and I are going to go and shoot some guns and discuss them while we sit in some nice rocking hydraulic lawn or not lawn camp chairs. It's going to be nice. I think we're going to be eating mountain house. It's so specific yet. It's going to be, we're going to do it. Um, yeah. Big thanks for watching and listening. Hopefully this was helpful for you. I think that's pretty much it. I don't know what we're doing next week. It's, it might be another outdoorsy one. Um, I'm about to switch to grave shift. So my shifts or my, yeah, the shifts that I work are going to change just slightly. My hours are obviously going to be different. I am a night person. So having later, later podcasts works better for me. I think that's pretty much it. I don't see anything that I'm missing on any of my notes, any of my screens, everything's good. So that is all talk to you guys later.